Thank you for joining IAB There. Our topic for today is contextual, the future of audience targeting in a post-cookie world. With my guest, Phil Schroeder, Schrader, CEO of GumGum. Um, Phil is a seasoned media executive and recognized thought leader in the digital advertising and programmatic technology ecosystem. As CEO, uh, he is responsible for GumGum's success in revolutionizing the digital media and sports marketing industry. He joined GumGum in 2011, served previously as the company's president, chief operating officer, and chief financial officer. In those roles, he's developed the management, uh, revenue, planning, accounting, controls, and human resources infrastructure that fomented the company's rapid expansion and growth. So let's welcome Phil. Thanks, Ange. So happy to be Hi. here. I look forward to this chat. <laughs> it's, been, it's been in the making for a while, so I know. I'm happy. <laughs> Um, so I, I, first off, I, I want to start off, if you can, you know, I, I did give a little bit of an intro, but if you want to talk about what exactly is GumGum, uh, what types of services do you provide? Yeah, sure. So GumGum has been around for over a decade, and our focus has been on really working in the advertising space with our uh, agency, brand, and publisher partners to really understand contextual data and then translate that contextual data um, into ways that they can maximize delivery of unique ad creatives that we actually produce and create on their behalf. So you can think of us as, you know, a platform that really ingests all of this data from text, images, etc., curates it in a way, and then creates beautiful, immersive, and very effective, unique creative ads to then deliver to our publisher partners on behalf of our brands and agencies. That's great. And, uh, you know, you mentioned um, in the past to me that there was a study that you had conducted with an, an agency, Zentu uh, Aegis, uh, around contextual relevance and its efficiency. Can you um, give us a little bit uh, overview of what exactly was the purpose of that study? Sure. And that's why I'm excited to talk today with you for a half hour, because I think the power of contextual is really important right now as we start to dive into the future of where advertising is. As we all know, you know, privacy and regulation is really taking, you know, up the pole position in everything that we're thinking about, whether you are a tech company, an advertising company, or a publisher. publisher. And so what we wanted to do was start to break down some of the myths that Contextual has brought with it as only needing to be a secondary or afterthought to a targeting strategy. And in this research study that we did with Densu, our goal was to basically see if we could, partnering with them, have Contextual show its effectiveness as a primary tactic in you know, comparison to that of behavioral, as well as then to understand how and what contextual technologies like GumGum's Verity technology stacks up against the current contextual partners. And so how we did this study is Dentsu brought four of their key brands um, within Dentsu. We hired a third party to do what I would say is a bake-off, a bake-off of contextual against audience and then contextual our Verity technology against the other contextual partners. And it was knock on wood, when you do these third party tests, you hope you, you're gonna see the results you wanna see. We were very, very um, you know, uh, happy to see that you know, our Verity technology not only was able to produce 
you know, a, a third less of the cost in delivering, you know, effective ads to the target audiences instead of audience data. We were also to see that we were 1.7 times more accurate in the relevancy of where we distributed ads against our competitors. And so I think that's really an important point because as I've talked to many of our agencies and our brands about this study and about these results, it's really the first of its kind. We don't really have industry benchmarks on contextual as a relevant success metric. We really just try to tie it to an outcome. So to be able to say when contextual done right with a technology can be more cost efficient than behavioral, as well as you can be extremely relevant in creating a positive consumer experience, I think we're onto something here. And I think that's where we're trying to push the envelope in, in contextual innovation. Now for clarification, when you talk about audience targeting, was it against third party data or was it against uh, addressable audiences? Great question. It was against third-party data. So what we did was we 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 worked with those four advertisers um, that Dentsu brought to the table. Those advertisers had target demos or inferred target demos, and what we did was we then in the study they purchased that audience segment in an effort to reach them, and in parallel ran that same amount of impressions just using the contextual segments from Gum Gum's Verity technology, and then we tracked how and what the outcome was, and that's where we were able to see strong cost efficiency gains from Verity's technology around hitting that target demo when it came to things like cost per engagement, completed views, etc. And, and how relevant was the content uh, to the ad itself? Or was it more endemic to uh, and uh, where the association between the ad itself and the messaging that it had against the content? Or was it just a, uh, more of a general contextual targeting approach? It was more endemic. And so I think what was nice to see about this is there are so many opportunities for a brand. Um, one of the brands mentioned was Sephora in our study, and you can download this report at gumgum.com. And when you look at the Sephora brand, you can then really find those categories that are specific to fashion, beauty, et cetera. And we've been able to build and leverage the taxonomy of IEB's 2.0 version to really be able to get into detail around what that is. I mean, we need to remember contextual has gone besides just picking travel. You can pick bed and breakfasts, right? And so if you're just using a keyword, you're going to miss the bed and breakfast opportunity. So for us to be able to know this is where your target audience is, and then what are the segments of contextual that align with your messaging, let's just go there. And then to see that, you know, success was, was, really, was really great to see. Well, I'm glad that you brought up the content taxonomy 2.0. And uh, I, my question for you is regarding you know, the standardization of content taxonomies across multiple publishers. Obviously, you, you touch upon, upon a great deal of inventory, and uh, uh, you've had your own taxonomy, I believe, as well in the past. And so how has the content taxonomy 2.0 helped with, with that, this analysis? It has helped tremendously. So our very technology or contextual technology which, you know, I think one other point to make on the study, just to note, is it did prove that neural networks and AI solutions, when done correctly, do work. So I think that's an important point. So our Verity technology, 
now has the ability with an API to actually partner with publishers right now. And so publishers now can start to segment out their context using this taxonomy. And with this taxonomy, then tie that to a more standardized, at least initial approach with the advertiser, which should ultimately help in providing some sort of consistency. Um, across the ecosystem. So we'd love to see more of the supply partners and publisher partners start to adopt this more and start to have some of this consistency across the buying side as well as the sell side. And are they seeing higher returns because of, of this? Or, you know, I, I know that there is a lot of publishers out there that are, are very um, onerous of how their content is labeled and, and classified. Um, how long was that, you know, how long does it take to, to have a publisher kind of adapt those, those standards, do you think? Yeah, so one, I think they are seeing stronger and better monetization. I think from a content classification like the taxonomy that we use with the IAB and any customized taxonomy that a publisher may be looking to build, really helps, especially for large-scale publishers that still have a model where that publisher revenue, especially when they own multiple publisher sites, um, or properties, you know, they still are very much focused on driving demand onto those endemic sites, right, through custom PMPs with those endemic advertisers. This technology and contextual will allow you to then find those pockets of inventory that still are relevant that might not seem as immediate or make sense um, because it's not endemic to the property, but it really does still cover, you know, an opportunity for a brand. So for example, if you're on a travel site, that doesn't mean that auto isn't a great opportunity on travel when it's talking about which rental cars you should rent and all of these things. So, you know, how do you find those pockets and contextual helps them do that? And then ultimately those segments become something they can sell more effectively and create additional revenue outside of the endemic revenue that they're currently set up to deliver against. So you also talked about behavioral targeting and, and comparing it to behavioral. Um, what are the, the main differences that you saw in performance between contextual and behavioral? Well, I think the important thing is when we say contextual, we have to be conscious of contextual when done right. So really honing in on those contextual segments so that you're smarter about this isn't just very broad categorization, right? This is really going into contextual. You saw that you would see around, I think we had 48% showed a, a reduction in um, cost per clicks actually against behavioral and a 41 lower cost per viewable impression. Because when you're buying specific inventory um, through audience third-party data, depending on the granularity and the size of that audience, you're paying a premium, right? You're sometimes paying upwards of multiple dollars, depending on how granular you'd like to reach that audience segment. And I think when you're using contextual and you can actually use contextual with really, you know, smart, you know, thorough, can, you, know, you know, really effective contextual segments, you can hit them at a fraction of the cost. So you can actually see the results. Now, when you do do audience buying, you know, you do see that you hit that audience more accurately than you would contextual. However, the contextual backs out for the audience that you do reach. And, you know, needless to say, any missed ideal audience that you did from a contextual delivery ultimately was still in, in, in the content that was that reader was involved in. So that makes the experience, you know, less intrusive. And, and can you talk about how the, what's the strategy process? You know, I, I, I could see where buyers are saying, well, here's, here's a list of keywords that we want to uh, be aligned with as well as block. Um, 
is it as simple as that? Or I'm assuming that you have, you know, a lot of strategists that are helping to consult on the how to use these keywords and, and then and then how does that inform creative? Like how are you how are you connecting that together? Sure. Great question. And I think that's what's really interesting as you mentioned that question. It's a really good one. GumGum, Gum, for over a decade, just to take a step back, we've been selling media and our unique ad products, right? Our, you know, in-image, our in-screen, different takeover units with our publishers. So over the course of a decade in selling that media, that's where we've also, in parallel, been developing the contextual technologies that support the delivery of that media. So I feel like we're in a unique position now in the market because the other data providers never sold media. So we understand the tie-in between contextual and those segments, as well as then how to use those segments to drive outcomes. So to your point, the first thing is we have over a decade worth of data in the sense of we've been able to analyze and understand when we've worked with partners who wanna use audience and we're seeing that delivery against that audience, we're also able to track and see that contextual of what's working. So in that we can now help guide our advertisers in recommendations around context, in recommendations of contextual segments that we believe not only align with the brand and the messaging they wanna put forward, but can hit them in that target audience. So that expertise and that really true thoughtful partnership is really, really important. And then as we look at things right now, what we're finding is as everyone is you know, in lockdown, really cross-device targeting is really the only way to reach us. We're not out of home, you know, we're not on the radio, we're on our screens, our phones, our laptops, our, 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 our TVs. And so, you know, the ability to reach us and stand out digitally is also really important. So for us, having the unique ability with our creative to help those brands stand out, coupled with that contextual is an amazing opportunity. Some examples of that, we've worked with brands to identify ombre hair in an image to then help to align an ad about how you can get ombre hair. Right. We've been able to identify teeth or smiles so that we can see white teeth and help to, you know, promote a whitening product. And so you really start to get into the you start to dip your toe into what I believe the future is, is that the context of everything we're around um, in our world at that point in time, whether that's immersed in a video or immersed in a piece of digital content, a, an editorial piece, a social piece, the content is going to have to be able to adjust and create a narrative and a message that makes sense for the content that I am currently in without using my data, unless of course it's first party data that you've been authorized to use. And so I think that's where you're starting to see this move into how do I stand out just using contextual and get creative? And I think that's where partners you know, like GumGum or, or companies that have been able to provide you know, understanding of media outcomes and campaigns with the with the robust tech. Now, during a crisis, right? We've had the we have still uh, the COVID, and then a lot of social and political uh, angst in in our society. Yeah. How have you helped brands uh, manage through all this? You know, there was uh, I know that you know, especially in the beginning. Uh, when March hit, we saw all these ads being blocked on news sites uh, due to yeah, the, uh, the, the need for, for them to make, make sure that they weren't aligned with negative news. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such an awful situation related to COVID that, and, 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 and that we, we are all in. Um, and then there's, you know, the other issues that we've been facing as a society also this year have really, I think, if anything, highlighted the fact that we as an industry have not evolved contextual in the way that we need to. 
And how Gum Gum has helped is just by education. You know, we published a piece that we identified that 60% of the COVID content was either neutral or positive that was being blocked because of, of brands just blocking it. And these are really great pieces of content that could be monetized for advertiser to find a share of voice. This could be as simple as just how to keep your kids having fun during, a co during COVID. It's blocked. Um, and it's blocked because we're using old tactics like site level or, you know, you know, just metadata on a page or, or just we're not we're not really looking at the true understanding, the sentiment of that. And so that's really that's really unfortunate. And so I think it highlighted that we need to figure out how we can leverage and support our news and information that we need in the world. And we're going to do that by providing a little bit more safety and comfort to the brands to spend in those places. The other area in which we really pushed hard was as, as, as we saw the Black Lives Movement rise and we saw a lot of, you know, that also, you know, really drive brands and agencies to be concerned about all of what was going on with that content and wanting to just block it because of fear it was going to be perceived on unsafe content. Maybe it was tied to, you know, a, a protest or something, but that was a small sliver of that content. And because the industry blocked it, it's a shame because I view that as us muting. We muted such an important, important topic. We need to be better because what I mean by muting it is if I'm publishing really valuable content around social injustice for a move to be better as a society, and then you're not helping me monetize this positive, this message, this content, I can only do that for so long before I'm forced to, to buckle and create content that you will choose to monetize. And that's unfortunate. So contextual sophistication will allow us to free ourselves of doing undue harm to not only the news that we continue to need, but to the social movements and injustices that we need to keep moving forward and be educated on. Now, you, you mentioned uh, sentiment. How does that, how does that into your formula? Are you using AI technology or is yes. it through an algorithm? Yes. So we use AI. Our Verity contextual target is all done through AI. And so we did prove that like a neural network really does and can operate when trained appropriately like a human. So we have a natural language processing team at GumGum. And what we do is they just focus on looking at the connection between sentences, words, and how they, how they you know, produce outcomes and through this testing. AI contextual or AI in any form can only be as good as the annotated data that's being provided to it. So for us having it, you know, been focused on this for over a decade and doing this and doing this, you understand what the relationship is between these words. And that helps you hone in one for not only sentiment, positive, neutral, or negative, but also to make sure that content is accurate because we need to get away from blocking words like shooting when you clearly see there's a basketball player in the image and they're, they're taking a three-pointer. I mean, we shouldn't be blocking that. I mean, they're shooting a three-pointer. Um, so clearly we're still doing some of these really antiquated, you know, blocking tactics that are unfortunate and we need to move ahead for it. We need to move forward. And, you know, during COVID, we've seen, uh, you know, a lot of reports that there's been a rise in CTV and video, streaming video. And I, I do know that you guys are in that space as well and, and would love to hear more about that. I, I think you sure. Thank you for that. And that's, that, that's very important to us because for us, 
video is a huge opportunity. But video as it stands today, what I find interesting, let's first just focus on web-based video. It's not really innovative. I mean, Mary Meeker's report, I believe, she referenced that 62% of consumers were annoyed by pre-roll. The skip rates are increasing. So if you're currently consuming video content, web video content, and you're looking at pre-roll, everyone's moving away and they're being annoyed. I know it's still a tactic, it's still effective. So what GumGum is aiming to do and what we've created is an in-video solution, an elegant integrated solution that allows the brand to create a moment of attention, grab the consumer's attention while not disrupting my content. I mean, over 80% of consumers are okay with advertising in, a, in, in, replace for, in replace for free content, but they want it to be integrated. So our ability to integrate it in a beautiful way, a respectful way to the brand and that consumer and fade out is important. And that is very consistent with what we're seeing in OTT CTV. And we're already seeing that happening on everyday things we're watching, like sporting events on TV, watching that they're continuing the content in the frame while they have half the frame covered by an ad. So we need to start figuring out how we're integrating our messaging. And I think that's really important. So web-based video to me is a huge opportunity in and of itself that hasn't even been captured. We've kind of left it with pre-roll and we're gonna now focus on OTT and CTV. Let's innovate that all and let's all create an immersive experience. Again, we need to be focusing on cross-functional. I need to be able to create an experience that you can see when consuming web-based, consume when see when you're seeing OTT. And really that's how my brands that we work with can really feel connected to their consumers through these little nuggets of storytelling. So I know you're on top of this as well with the loss of cookies and identifiers going away. Obviously there's been a, a, a lot of positive uh, uh, feedback that contextual is king and that it will, you know, it will be, you know, it will see an increase. Now, what's your opinion about first off, like, are you using cookies at all? Um, if, if so, how is this going to impact your business? And if not, um, where do you see your business going? Yeah, great question. So there's two things here that we look at, right? So one, we definitely will use cookies like every other company, especially with our brands, when they're looking for usage of audience information as part of their strategy, it's still a very popular tactic. Um, we don't um, house or keep any of it. We solely focus on contextual. But if we need to tap into it for an, a campaign, we definitely will use that. And that's been you know, paramount in our success in delivering um, our ad, ad creatives over the past decade. But with the cookies going away is one component. And that's where we think we're gonna be ultimately extremely successful because we've been able to aggregate contextual segments that will be able to predict and anticipate where certain demos and targets will be within those contextual segments. So we become what I believe hopefully a, a very strong leader in, in solutions in effective targeting um, to still drive strong cost efficiency for execution. The other thing is we have to remember that the privacy regulations are just getting more and more intense across the globe. I mean, it's around 10% now in jurisdictions. It's going to go upwards of north of 60% by 2023. I'm based in California, and on our ballot, one of our propositions is to enhance the ability for the CCPA to get tighter and stricter and be clearer around those rules. 
uh, on one of the propositions. So this is coming. So the important thing to remember is now is the time. If you've been using audience or third-party tactics, they're still available for you to use. But when the cookie gets murdered in 2022, this is your time to start to understand how that audience cookie data that you've been leveraging for success today, you need to start building a DMP that can start to mirror that with contextual segmentation of that audience. So you're really understanding when that does happen, you still have a strong treasure trove of options when it comes to contextual and still reaching that ideal consumer. Now, we talked a lot about targeting and you've touched upon creative. Um, I'd love to learn more about your creative approach because I don't think that a lot of companies really take the, uh, have one have either have, don't have enough resources uh, the funds or the expertise on really how do you take creative to the next level? How do you, how do you, you know, how do you ensure that, um, it, it, are you using some sort of dynamic platform or is this really uh, at a publisher level? Um, yeah. Great question. So we have our own internal design team and we have our own internal design tools that we've built, um, which are pretty incredible for over a decade. And we can power and use those to leverage key things like dynamic creative messaging or, you know, in the ability to swap or build unique creatives that would make sense for specific contextual targets that they're, they're looking to deliver against. So we've been well positioned there to help provide um, and advise on that. And so that's how we've handled it. And then when we've had the interest for um, unique creative that really, like I mentioned, to capitalize on saying white teeth. Um, you know, we're able to leverage our computer vision team, which is the, the computer vision team internally at GumGum that has trained our system to be able to talk, uh, understand in, um, elements within even an image, we can then use that to deploy, you know, really relevant creative message um, on behalf of that brand. And I think, like I mentioned, that's just the, like the dip, the toe into the, the shallow end, so to speak, of how I think contextual is going to start to, you know, become real time within, within creative. Now, how are you, you know, we talked about audiences and, and um, how it's, it's kind of a shift of mindset. What types of audience segments or affinity segments have you been able to create through the through the content? Yeah, it's pretty much as it's pretty much everything you're starting to see when you buy audience. So if you're looking for certain demos, you know whether that be based on age, you know gender, um, we have the ability to segment those based on contextual interest data. Um, so we're able to create interest segments around contextual. So if you're looking for um, you know someone who's potentially interested in auto, right, or some information around that, we will be able to create um, auto segmentation of our inventory and we can make recommendations on behalf of that advertiser and say, here's what we're seeing in these potential categories that we think would make sense for auto. And sometimes those categories don't have to be endemic. They can be green friendly. They can be people who are focused on eco. Right, so you can be really helping a brand reach, you know, eco-friendly content to highlight a key feature or focus of that brand or that automobile that they're looking to highlight and extend it beyond just the endemics that they may be already buying through, you know, PMPs or deals they've structured with an endemic publisher. And wh where do you see yourself in, in two years from now, in terms of where where would you like to take gum gum? Um, what's the next level? 
the next level is right now, our priority is getting our um, standalone Verity technology integrated in all the DSPs and starting to integrate as much as we can our data into any of the brand or agencies, um, um, you, know, you know, data technologies that they're currently using. You know, that's where we see ourselves in two years. The biggest thing that we are out there in market talking about is that, you know, there has not been a new contextual technology integrated within a DSP for years and years and years. It is the same people. GumGum is currently in the process of seeking our MRC accreditation, right, around full page contextual analysis. Um, you know, we're seeking that. Hopefully we'll, you know, we should have that, you know, soon. We've been doing that and working for that for over a year. But we will be the first in that category, potentially, should we, or should we receive that. And what's interesting to note about that, that full page uh, MRC, you know, available accreditation has been available since 2018. But it's not been tackled because no one's had to prioritize contextual. Now, all of a sudden, contextual is hot. And so now people are all trying to innovate because we've gotten comfortable with the existing partners. They're who we've done deals with. And it's time to flip the, the table a little bit. It's time for advertisers, suppliers, agencies to be demanding to our DSP partners and anyone that they are working with to execute campaigns that they need more contextual, robust AI solutions and technologies to start to try and test. If they don't have that now, especially within the next year and a half, while they still have access to the ability to target audiences with third-party data and cookies, they're going to be in trouble in my opinion. And so I think now is that time. So in two years, if we're connecting, hopefully we're one of the top contextual data providers out there and we're working really amazing with our brands to, and publishers to help them continue to monetize, creating amazing creatives with powered by the best contextual technology out there. That's great. Um, you haven't spoken about audio. I know that there are a lot of technical issues, especially given the fact that podcast is pretty much behind a walled garden-like structure, right? With a Google mm -hmm. Play and uh, Apple uh, podcast. Mm -hmm. And then you have a lot of live streaming. Do you see a future for contextual targeting in the audio space? Yes, I do. I, well, one, I think contextual in the audio space is critical for video right now. So just video in general, we need to be able to understand and translate the audio um, from that, from any video that we have access to um, in an effort to start to integrate, you know, advertising. So, you know, leveraging what's out there um, now and all the different audios from the Googles, the OCRs that can help you transcribe is, is how you can start to tackle some of that in, in combining that with the visuals and the text within video in an effort to understand the contextual. And I think that's going to be the key is all three of those elements have to work in harmony if those three elements, the visuals, the audio, and the text, because there's text sometimes in videos as well, that's what you need as really the holy grail in order to start to contextually target video or rather, or to be able to you know, monetize um, a, live, a live stream event. What's really interesting that you mentioned in video and I found fascinating is when I started to talk to a lot of the advertisers and brands around how they were using contextual, many partners were using contextual on video. And I really was curious, I'm like, how are you using contextual through programmatic, through your DSP and video? And they would check one of the incumbents, right? I'm not, you know, you know whether that's Oracle, whoever. And I'm like, but you do realize that that's only on page level. And they don't, they don't realize that. Yeah, the video is not being, the video is not what's being contextually monitored. So if I'm running advertising in video space and I check a contextual, yes, it's looking at 
the metadata and what's around it, but it's not actually looking at the video itself. So, you know, GumGum now has the ability, our technology Verity is we can set up PMPs for our clients strictly on contextual and give them access to scalable web-based OTT and CTV inventory, which is yeah, really different than what's out there now. Uh, that's interesting because, and it's probably, you'll probably see different behaviors based on full screen or video within page, right? Yes, exactly. And they're exactly right. And that's where I think it's interesting. Contextual has become like, oh, we want to be around this content. And, and the understanding of what's actually being delivered, we just never really inquired. And so it's nice to see the industry asking questions and wanting more and having an appetite. And yes, I think we all have to because of what we're all facing. But I do believe that there is just this, um, this sense of curiosity um, that I'm that I love around contextual and the creative minds of all of us in this industry trying to, to to take it to the next level, which is really exciting and and super exciting for Gum Gum. I always say I wish I joined almost ten years ago. Uh, it's all about luck too. I'm not going to deny it. Like I can't I can't say we had a crystal ball, but like we ain't we are not mad at the regulation or the privacy stuff or the cookies going away because we think it's it just pushes us to be better at leveraging you know what we know is really smart minds to create really effective advertising without having to rely on our information or data. Well, I, I, we're almost at a close and I do have one more question. Yeah. Um, mobile, mobile, yeah. uh, mobile measurement has become more challenging, especially with IPP. How, what are some of the differences that you're seeing now and how are buyers changing their buying, uh, buying uh, media spend habits? Yeah, well, I think we're seeing on mobile well, and I mean, I think everywhere, what we're seeing an uptick in, in measurement is a really a focus on attention economics. So, you know, there is still this sense of wanting to hit your audiences or looking at that from a contextual basis or, or, or trying to figure out how you're going to do that. But there is this sense of, did I gain attention to the, the advertising and, and was it impactful? And I think we're seeing that on mobile and desktop, which is moving away from this, you know, my CTO actually just did a whole article on this love affair uh, going away on CTR because, you know, mobile in of itself has just been, you know, you know, it, it's just the, what would I was, it's like the, the CTR swamp because it's, you're, you're, you're accidentally clicking all over the place, right? Because you're trying to like block content and see things and all of this stuff. And so mobile, the effectiveness of mobile has to be on how we've seen engaged and grabbed some attention um, in that. So we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of attention studies, um, you know, a, a, a attention partners come out with various studies to measure attention. And I think that's going to be um, a very important piece for mobile is to know that there was actually, you know, not only viewable, but you could measure the attention that that actually gained from the viewable impression. Well, we are at time and I really want to thank you for spending the afternoon with me. Um, yeah. It was a pleasure. So love great. I love it. <laughs> you need to do this more often. We need to do this more often. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time. And like I said, there's been a lot of amazing research we've done. You can go to, you know, gumgum.com, download the Densu research paper. I think people will find it very enlightening and exciting. And, you know, I really appreciate the IAB um, and what they've been doing in trying to, you know, take a lead in, in contextual and trying to work with us as an industry to prioritize it, knowing that it's going to become a key tactic that we're all going to have to, you know, really leverage in, in the coming years. Um, with everything that we're facing from cookies to privacy. So, you know, big sh shout out to the IB for that as well. Well, thank you. And I think, you know, the same, because it, we wouldn't be able to do what we do without members like you um, actually contributing and providing feedback and giving your opinion um, about 
where you'd like to see uh, the market go. So um, shout out to you and, and everyone out there. Yeah, and let's let, let's timestamp this this chat and let's connect in uh, two years and let's see were I able to were we able to at Gum Gum deliver on what we just talked about. That'll be the hope. So Great. awesome. Thank you. Thank you again. Okay. So thank you everyone for joining. On our next IAB there, we are very excited to welcome Michael Henry, CEO of OpenPlate, and we'll look to discuss the future of brand safety and brand suitability on emerging platforms. IAB There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe On, John Ward, Carrie Villanueva, and I am Angelina Eng. Thank you for watching and goodbye.